What is up, Ascenders? This is episode 7 of Awaken with Sahara Rose. Here's what's coming up. Ayurveda is the sister science of yoga based on health and well-being, but the word yoga actually means union, union to Brahma, to source, to universal light. So yoga is a spiritual practice. Ayurveda's purpose is how can we be mentally and physically balanced so we can truly practice yoga, union with divine source. The whole purpose of being healthy, full to be balanced, is so you can fulfill your mission on this planet and share your gift. Welcome back to another episode of Awaken by Ascend. I'm Brian Henry, the founder of Ascend and your host. On Awaken, it's our mission to propel humanity in the direction of universal growth. And we do this by having on special guests to the show who share with us their experiences and wisdom to help you attain a greater state of health, live on a higher plane of consciousness, and manifest abundance in your life. If you guys have been tuning in for the last few episodes and you've been enjoying the show, I ask for you to support the show by giving us a review on iTunes, and you can do that at the following URL, www.togetherweascend.com forward slash iTunes. And we'd also love to have you join our community where senders are helping each other out by spreading wisdom, spreading inspiration, and positivity in our Facebook group. And you can join us there at www.togetherweascend forward slash community. We hope to see you there, guys. So in this episode, I'm speaking to Sahara Rose. And Sahara is on a mission to help people connect to their higher self. And guys, this girl is an absolute superstar. She's a best-selling author, and she's been endorsed by the world-famous Deepak Chopra, and she's only 26 years old. Her area of expertise is Ayurveda, which is an ancient health system that originated back in India 5,000 years ago. And this is what she's written her book on, The Idiot's Guide to Ayurveda, which is part of the very popular series of Idiot's Guides. And as I started to research Ayurveda, I realized that many of the teachings in the field of holistic health can be traced back to this field. So much that I've learned and hear and uh, hear holistic health experts discuss connects back to the teachings of Ayurveda. And it seems that in the research that I've done in the history of Ayurveda, it's shown that so many of our current health systems stemmed from this, again, this very field. And the thing that resonated with me most about it was that the perspective that Ayurveda has on health is that it's a means to an end. Wellness and balance and physical and mental health is a means to being put in a place and being in a position where we can allow for our soul to transcend and for us to provide the world with our greatest gifts. So rather than hear me talk about it, why don't I bring on the expert of the field? Guys, this is Sahara Rose. Sahara Rose is an Ayurvedic and holistic and sports nutritionist. She's endorsed by the world-famous Deepak Chopra as a leading voice for the millennial generation into a new paradigm shift. She's the author of the best-selling book, The Idiot's Guide to Ayurveda, and host of the Higher Self podcast. For those of you who may be unfamiliar, unfamiliar, 
Ayurveda is an ancient holistic health system that comes from India, and many of our whole, uh, health systems today has been derived from it. As I'm sure we'll learn about today, Sahara has brilliantly adapted the Ayurvedic wisdom using modern-day science and to account for modern and Western circumstances, so that just about anybody can tap into this healing potentialities of Ayurveda. Sahara, thank you for joining us today. We do appreciate uh... you coming on. Thank you so much for having me, Brian. Awesome. So before we jump into your story and your work, is there any uh, gaps that you'd like to fill in my little introduction there? Um, no, I mean, I can I can start explaining, but it was a very beautiful introduction. I wish I could just have you around and introduce me to everyone. Yeah, I'd get a little, <laughs> get a little intro for you to walk into and, uh, and do your yes. thing, huh? <laughs> nice. Perfect. Yeah, we all need that. <laughs> awesome. Okay. So before we dive a little bit more deeper into Ayurveda and what it's all about and what uh, what sort of practices and strategies are used in it. Um, I would like to get to know you a little bit more. And uh, I think one of the, the best ways to, to get to know a person is to, to learn more a bit about their, their purpose and their mission. So this isn't something that I would ask just anybody, but in you, when I was looking into your site and your work, I can see a great sense of clarity when it comes to what sort of impact you want to have on this world. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that mission and that purpose that you have? Yeah. Um, well, my real purpose is to help people become their highest selves. I, I have a podcast called The Highest Self Podcast and all of the work that I do, I mean, the whole purpose of being healthy, to be more mindful, to be balanced is so you can fulfill your mission on this planet and share your gift. So really, my purpose is to help other people find their purpose. And all of these tools that we use, like Ayurveda, self-care, meditation, etc., are just so you can go out there and share whatever you're good at. There you go. That's such an awesome and beautiful purpose to help people tap into to their own potential because as yes. we both know, there's a lot of people that, uh, that are out there that aren't, uh, aren't fully um, aware of what, uh, what they're capable of and how, uh, sure. how much power lies within them. Yes. So one of the things I wanted to talk about was that just like, uh, just like your purpose, you believe that our, our purpose comes from a, a deeper layer. It comes from our spirituality and it comes from our soul. And uh, something that I've heard you uh, say is that you believe that our soul chooses its purpose and chooses its life before before it manifests into the, the physical reality that we're living here. So mm -hmm. could you speak to a little bit about that? We chose everything, your body, your parents, your reality. It's all chosen from you um, before this time. So in in every ancient culture, there is this, this belief, really. It's not just in Buddhism or Hinduism or anything. It's when you go to any ancient culture, this exists. And really, we are not our minds. We are not our bodies. We are this deeper soul part of us. In, in Sanskrit, it's called Atman. It's the never-ending soul. So why, why did I choose this body? Why did you choose yours? Why did some people choose abusive parents? Why did, why would people pick hard situations? It's because all of these situations give us the exact lessons that our soul needs for us, for its highest involvement. So mm -hmm. let's say your soul, like Wayne Dyer, who's, he's a very famous self-help author. 
he grew up in orphanages. He grew up totally on his own. Him and his brother were from foster care to foster care. And his whole life, he's like, why is life so hard for me? And he became one of the best self-help authors in the world. And he always speaks about how he chose self-reliance. He wanted to teach other people how to radically rely on themselves. So he, his own soul had to experience that. For me, I teach health. I teach balance. I was severely imbalanced. I was very overweight as a kid, suffering from horrible asthma and allergies. I couldn't play outside as a kid. I became severely isolated, addicted to computer games, to going the opposite way, having eating disorders and being a raw vegan because I was so afraid of food. So I've had to go through trauma around food. And now I, I believe all of us, we make our mess our message. So really every obstacle, it doesn't happen to you. It really happens for you so you can grow. There you go. I like that. Make our mess into our message. I've never heard that one before. And yes. whether you believe that uh, our soul chose this before before we were born or not, I think there's so much truth in understanding that to to truly understand something, you 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 need to experience the the polar opposite of it, or at least that that experience of the opposite of it is going to deepen your understanding of of what it is that you're you're here to to manifest, right? So that uh, that whole idea that those obstacles and those challenges that that we face are going to fuel our ability to understand something and then go out and teach it is so so important. For sure, yes, and it gives us a lot of power and control over our lives because you know I think a lot of us, especially the way the world is going right now, we feel so out of control. Like, oh my God, what if something horrible happens to me? There's so much unease. Mm -hmm. But when you really give your trust up to a higher power and say, you know what, I know I'm going to be taken care of, and you just trust, 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 beautiful and miraculous things happen to you. And I know part of your show, you you ask people about coincidences and synchronicities and when you're in this flow and you're in this alignment these coincidences and synchronicities keep happening to you mm -hmm. and then you start to connect to to the truth behind them right right and you start connecting the dots and you're like oh wait this is why that happened to me and it mm -hmm. led me to this and that and it's some things are good some things are hard but they always lead to something more beautiful right and then you be begin to to embrace those challenges right so i think um one of the one of the hurdles, one of the obstacles that a lot of people have to to overcome and start to connect with, to then connect with these truths, is that um, these these things are happening for a reason, right? And I mean, whether you believe that or not, um, they're they're gonna happen, right? So one of the things that that I try to do with with my work and with with the podcast and the people that I interview is help to show people that um, that there is this this higher power and you do have this this divine power within you. So a story that that I've heard you tell that I think does a really good job of demonstrating the uh, the pe potential that we have in connecting with our higher self is the the story that you told about writing writing your book and entering that that state of flow that that you you found can you tell us that story yeah so i wrote the idiot's guide to ayurveda it's like published by penguin random house deep october wrote the Ford, all the things you mentioned but i never had met an author in my life i didn't know anything that it took to write a book i just had 
this idea that, you know what, I'm learning about Ayurveda to heal myself. So what if I wrote a little ebook to help other people with the same digestive and hormonal issues that I have to help them too? So I start writing this book and as I'm writing it, I'm just getting so into it. I'm spending all my free time writing, writing, writing. And my parents are like, what is Ayurveda that you're like obsessed with? And it's all I'm doing. And this continued for years. I spent two years writing this book. And once I had finished, I had, you know, it went from a 50 page ebook to a hundred pages, 500 pages, a thousand pages, 2000 pages of material that I had just written translating Ayurveda into modern text. Then I'm like, okay, I can't just put this as an ebook on my website. Like I need this to be on shelves of bar- in Barnes and Nobles. Like that was my vision. People are like, are you crazy? Like Barnes and Nobles, like stop. And I really just had this vision, like this needs to happen. So, um, I really believe that whatever it is that you want to do, you have to live your life as if you're doing it, Mm -hmm. you know, you create that vibration. So I was like, well, I'll find my own editors. I'll find my own graphic designers. I'll do everything that, so it's a finished book. And then when I find that publisher, I'll just hand them the book. (laughs) So, um, I hired, I spent all my money hiring editors, graphic designers, putting it together all my time, like 14 hour days for literally years. And finally I finished this book and I called it eat right for your mind body type. And it was infusing sports nutrition, which is what I had studied before with Ayurveda, like comparing endomorph, mesomorph, ectomorph to Vata, Pizza, Kapha and like the gut brain connection, how serotonin actually is. So basically proving with science that Ayurveda has a lot of validity. Mm -hmm. So, um, Still, I don't know who's going to publish it or what. And I meet multiple people who have books just in L.A. And um, one of them's like, "Okay, I'll introduce you to my literary agent. No promises. So she sends me an email to connect me with her. And the lady likes what I have. And she decides she's going to represent me. And a literary agent is someone who helps you write a book deal. So for anyone listening, if you want to write a book, you have to find a literary agent. That's your person to help you get the, the publishing deal. So. She's sending my book out to all these publishers. We're hearing, oh, no, we don't accept first time authors. We don't, you know, she's too young. You know, I was 24 when this was happening. So they were kind of giving me no's. She gets a call from Penguin Random House, world's biggest publisher, and they're saying, hey, we're looking for someone to write the Idiot's Guide to Ayurveda. So this is like official Idiot's Guide, like mm-hmm. Idiot's Guide to Gardening, Mowing Your Lawn, whatever. Um, and they're like, do you happen to know anyone out of the thousands of literary agents in the world they call her? So she's like, well, I just met this young girl who wrote a book called Ayurveda. I can I can put you guys in contact. And they're like, no, no, no. We need someone who's like been doing Ayurveda for 24 years, not been alive for this long, like <laughs> just doubting me, you know? Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, let me just connect you. You can see what she has to say. So you have six months normally to write these books. They're 400 page textbooks and they're very, very specific. Like if you've ever read an idiot's guide or if you've seen my book, it's like every page and a half is Mm. like definition, fun fact, charts. It's like literally you're making like a college textbook. Um, So the woman who they had hired to write this book was four months into the six months and it was too much work and she quit and she didn't turn anything in. And she's just like, you know what? I can't do this. So they still had, their pub date um, two months later. So they needed someone to start and finish this book and have it turned in in, in two months, which is just crazy. 400 um, pages in two months. Yes. And not just like, you know, I could just like write about whatever I want, but to write it in a, a very specific way, like mm-hmm. every chapter needs to be like 12 pages, 15 pages, 12 pages. It's like mm-hmm. very formulaic. So they send me the table of contents that she had read and they're like, how would you change it if you would? If not, you can just send it back. You have a week to do this that day, like literally just 
channeling through because I had studied Ayurveda for so long. I was like, this is how I would teach it, like so differently mm-hmm. from the way that it's been taught before, because it's like they throw in all the spiritual stuff at the beginning and it scares people away. So I just showed people from the beginning of the book ways that they're already practicing Ayurveda, etc. And um, I turned it in that same day at the end of the day and they liked it. Mm-hmm. So they're like, well, let's see your writing style. You have a week to write the first chapter. I again turned it in that same day, did the whole thing, just like literally like I call this Kriya. It's the Sanskrit word for being in a state of flow. Like mm-hmm. my body was like, girl, this is the moment you've been waiting for. Mm-hmm. Turned it in that day. Two days later, I was hired to write this book. And in those two months, I spent 14 hours a day from start to finish. I finished that book actually in a month and a half. So um, it's the best-selling Ayurveda book in the world. It's the best-selling book in healthy living, alternative medicine, mental and spiritual healing, like so many huge categories that Ayurveda has never been a part of. I Another crazy synchronicity is I saw Deepak Chopra at a conference. I walked up to him out of a thousand people in a crowd. I introduced myself. Two days later, he wrote the forward to my book. No so it's just like showing that if you're doing what it is that you were meant to do, the universe has your back and it opens doors for you. And there's no way that all of this could have happened, just me on my own. It's like mm-hmm. something greater than me has to be supporting me through this mission. Right, so you have to put your trust and your your gratitude in that that higher power, and the uh, it, it just it makes so much sense that y- the, some of these things that you're able to accomplish couldn't have been done without connecting to your higher self, right? Yes. So let's talk a little bit about that. Let's talk about what the higher self looks like before we get into Ayurveda, because as we'll soon see, the uh, they're two they're very connected. Um, I think uh, we'll. Well, we'll see that Ayurveda is a means to to connecting with with your soul and your higher self. What what does that even mean? If uh, if someone comes up to you and says, "I heard you mentioned the higher self," or you have the higher self podcast, what what what's a higher self? So, in our brain, we have our reptilian brain, which is our brain based off of survival, and that's the brain that most of us have been functioning off. It's the brain that society has been functioning off for the past few thousand years. So that brain is focused on how am I going to live? You know, if some if someone cuts me off in traffic, that could be someone potentially hurting me, getting in my way, etc. So it's the corporate ladder. It's I have to step on top of someone else to get to that next place. It's survival. Mm-hmm. Then we have our higher brain, which every single person has both of these brains. No one only has one. Our higher brain is is led by joy, by communion, by oneness. It sees someone else doing something wonderful, hearing a story that that they're achieving their dreams and saying, wow, like I see that as a reflection of me, that that uplifts me. And you see yourself in other people. It's compassionate. It's it's unity. It's like when people are like, we are one. That's the highest, the higher brain talking. So your highest self is really the you totally in your higher brain. It's the you that you were before the fears got involved before the self um, limiting beliefs came to be, you know, from the time we're kids, we tell our parents like, Oh, I want to be an astronaut. And our parents are like, that's unrealistic. I want to be a lawyer. And then no, it turns into, I want to be a lawyer. I want to be a doctor. And they're like, good for you. Yes, that's the right thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas our creative things are shunned away. I knew, I know for mine, I always loved to write. My parents always said a writer is a starving artist. You will never make it as a writer. So of course I'm thinking, okay, since I like to write, law school is the closest thing. So that's why I moved to D.C. to join law school um, and realize that law writing is very different from, you know, 
creative writing. So our higher brain is is the true us. It's not someone that you have to be. It's actually the person that you were before all of this fear and conditioning was placed on top of you. Does that make sense? For sure, for sure, definitely. Yeah. I, the way that I see it again is it's the, that version of you without all those that layers that that gets placed upon us that uh, that keeps us from expressing our true selves and it's just i think the uh the biggest the biggest hurdle that we we just have to overcome is understanding that that we can find joy and we can uh create a a, a life of abundance through living out or living um in connection with our higher self i think that's definitely the uh the biggest obstacle that people face not mm-hmm. truly believing that um that they can live a a a life of abundance and make a living while while living out their 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 dreams and their their true aspirations and then we get told all these all these things that that keeps us disconnected from those things right so right um i mean we'll 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 get into it we'll we'll talk a little bit more about connecting to our higher self and some of the the strategies that uh that we can use to to get there but i do want to jump into ayurveda and and take advantage of your expertise on the topic Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to start with, with the why, and of course, a little bit of an overview of what it is. Um, personally, the, the part of it that, that resonated most with me is the, uh, the perspective that, that Ayurveda has on health and it views it as, as a means to an end, right? It views it as where we're finding health, good health, and we're finding balance for, for, for something more. And I want you to tell us a little bit about that. So what is Ayurveda? Where did it come from? And, and what what's the purpose of it? Mm, yeah, so Ayurveda is the world's oldest health system. It originated in ancient India over 5,000 years ago, and it's the sister science of yoga. So yoga is extremely popular today, but the word yoga actually means union, union to Brahma, to source, to universal light. So yoga is a spiritual practice. It's not getting abs or practicing on your balance or things like that. These are maybe things that you do to get to that spiritual practice. But yoga, if you go to India and you say, I want to practice yoga, this big fat guy is going to come in front of you and it's going to, we're going to breathe for an hour. That's actual yoga. Mm-hmm. So Ayurveda is the sister science of yoga based on health and well-being, mental and physical well-being, because you cannot really practice yoga. You cannot experience past your body and really tap into the spiritual side of yourself if you have a stomach ache or if you're sick. It's like, you know, when you're in the hospital, all you're thinking about is how can I get better? You're not thinking about your goals and dreams. It's all you can think about. So Ayurveda's purpose is how can we be mentally and physically balanced so we can truly practice yoga union with divine source? And really what Ayurveda is based off of is that my version of balance is going to be different from yours. Mm -hmm. So in Ayurveda, there's three doshas. The word dosha means energy. I like to just call it a mind body type and it's vata pitta kapha vata's air energy pitta's fire energy and kapha's earth energy so we all have all three of these energies within us we all are partially airy partially fiery partially earthy but different amounts so someone might be more airy so if if i was like brian like that guy's really airy what, what do you think he's like vata Right. Well, yeah, but like, what's his personality? If I'm like, oh, he's super airy. Ooh, that's a good one. I, I, I think more of like a gentle kind of um, artsy, spacey kind of. Not, not. 
I guess I'll think of the, the other side of it. I don't, I'm not thinking powerful. I'm not thinking like bold and strong. And I'm thinking more right. like of a gentle kind of subtle personality. Does that make sense? Yeah. So you nailed so, like some of the words are exactly what Vata is like subtle, light, spacey. So an airy person is like, like kind of a space cadet, you know, they're very dreamy, they're artistic, they're creative, but maybe they don't have that like force to like really go for it. They're more mm -hmm. in their heads. So that's more of Vata mental characteristics. Now in their body, if I'm like, I have a lot of air in my body, like, what do you think that means? And think of the most literal definition. Gassy. Exactly. So gassiness, bloating, literal air in your system and constipation because constipation is related to too much dry dryness and coldness in your colon. So mm -hmm. Vata personality, creative, airy, spacey. They're really inspirational, but at the same time can suffer from anxiety. So I think mm -hmm. of Steve Jobs energy. You know, he's a mm -hmm. textbook Vata. Mm -hmm. And then in the body, um, they tend to be more lean. They tend to have more coldness and dryness in the body, bloating, gas, constipation. Now, Pitta, fire. If I'm like, ooh, she's super fiery. What does that mean? That sounds like the the bold, the passionate, the strong kind of, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, eccentric, that sort of thing. Yeah. Exactly. So that's like a Pitta characteristic. So they go after what they want. They're organized. They like, they set a goal for themselves. They do whatever it takes to get there. All their days are like scheduled and, you know, they're working out at the gym really hard and then like doing this, doing that. It's like th they do it all. But at the same time, a fiery person can explode. They can, mm -hmm. you know, get super mad about something. They can snap. They can be really irritable. It's like a volcano inside of them. So the good side is goal-oriented, goal ambitious, passionate. And the other side is maybe impatient or angry or stressed out all the time. Now, in the body, if I have too much fire in my body, what do you think that means? I'm thinking inflammation. I'm thinking like the uh, acidity kind of feeling like um, heaviness. Yeah, exactly. Like heartburn literally it's like your heart is burning fire it's when you have too much acid in your stomach that's going up your esophagus and you're feeling it so anything related to hyperacidity to ulcers to inflammation um the digestive system in in sanskrit is literally called your fire it's called your agni mm -hmm. so if there's too much fire it means food is maybe going past you maybe you're having loose stools maybe you're constantly going to the bathroom and at the same time fire rises just like heat rises if you stand on your chair in the room the, the top of the room is going to be hotter than the bottom of the room so as the heat rises pitta people are more likely to have um, acne and redness in their skin mm -hmm. and it's literally like the heat trying to leave their bodies so anything related to acidity heartburn acne pits in the body anything related to stress being burnt out anger is related to pitta in the mind then lastly there's kapha if i was like oh like she's very earthy what do you think that person's like? Hmm. That one's similar, similar to, to the airy one. Um, but it, it almost feels like a in-between of the two, like a, a gentle, but at the same time, kind of solid, stern, um, you know? Yeah, exactly. So a an earthy person has a lot more of like a grounded feel to them than the airy person. The mm -hmm. airy person's like, Hey, how are you? Like, I'm going to go over there. Like, mm -hmm. you know, space cadet. Whereas the mm -hmm. earthy person talks a little slower mm -hmm. and they're a lot more 
gentle. And I like to think of it as grandmother energy, you know, like your grandma, you just want to like hug her and she's so supportive and calming Oprah energy. It's like, you just want to like tell her all your life's problems and she's just going to be like, I love you. I'm here for you. <laughs> like that's earth energy. And if you think no. about the earth, like, you know, we, we take from the earth, we take her resources, we really destroy this planet and the earth continues to give. So that's really the quality of the earth. It's always giving earthy Kafa people put other people's needs before their own. They're really peaceful. They're really calm tempered. You know, the Vata might get anxious, the Pitta might get mad and the Kafa is like keeping their cool. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, when you're like holding that space for everyone else, sometimes you don't feel like you can share what's going on with you because like everyone's dependent on you. Mm-hmm. So the kaffas, though they seem the happiest, are the most likely to actually suffer from like depression and loneliness and being stuck in the past. So vatas are really fixated in the future. Pittas are sometimes too in the present that they lose lose sight of things. And kaffas are really in the past. And then in the body, if someone has like an earthy body what do you think that means pretty solid um strong yeah Mm -hmm. exactly like a football player you know they have a lot of earth to them they have like density to them it's like a tree trunk like you can't knock them down so Kaffas, they naturally are bigger boned people. Um, they tend to store fat more easily than the other doshas. Um, they get sick the least often, but at the same time, they are the most likely to become lethargic, to get lazy, to, you know, get out of their routine. So even though they need exercise the most, they are probably the least likely to do it. And it's all stored in the throat chakra area. So they're the most likely to have mucus, phlegm, and thyroid issues. So this is what the doshas look like in the mind and the body. I have a quiz on my website for your listeners to take and they can like see what they are. And sometimes what you are in your mind is different from what you are in your body. So in my quiz, I've separated the results between the dosha in your mind and body, which no other dosha quiz has done, because that way you know exactly what dietary things to do for your body, but what lifestyle things to do for your mind, because you might be in, in imbalance. So that means your mind and body are in two different places. Awesome. And I will definitely link to the uh, to your quiz in the uh, in the show notes for the episode yeah. so everyone could go out and take it. I did personally take it. I, I believe I got a pretty strong Pitta um, result and it, it did. It, it made a lot of sense for me. When I looked back at it, it was like all my answers were like uh, connected back to to the the description that you have for for the Pitta uh, personality types. So I, uh, I, I do like the, the, the kind of ways to to put put descriptions on it and and use that to to identify our our strengths and weaknesses because with that now we can we can start to see well how should we go about uh living our lives how should we go about our our type of exercise and and our nutrition that corresponds to to our dosha i guess where where my question where most people will um will not be be sure of is where where do I start with this? Like, let's say I do the quiz, I I get my my result. What? Uh, how does this connect to what I should be eating? How I should be living? Other than the fact that I should be working on my weaknesses, let's say. Like, is there mm-hmm. uh is there guidelines that I can follow that that will allow for me to to function optimally? 
Yeah, well, luckily I wrote a whole book about it. <laughs> In my book, I outline everything that you can do from the dietary suggestions to what yoga practices are best for you, what meditations are right for you, what should you buy at the grocery store, how should you plan your day, how should you plan your year, like everything based on your dosha. And actually, the month of October, I don't know when this is going up, it's $1.99 on Kindle. So anyone can get the book and have all of these these materials for you. So, I mean, this, I could go on forever. It's like a, a huge science of what you can do, but it's basically, as you mentioned, it's what your body needs to bring you back into balance. So if you have a lot of vata, a lot of air, you need more grounding in your diet. You need more root vegetables. And in your life, you need a lot more routine and structure. In your exercise, you need a lot more, you know, weight training and slowness and steadiness. So it's really finding what you're lacking in and, and bring cultivating that okay so if you're very pizza yeah if you have a lot of fire you need more cooling and calming mm -hmm. your diet needs to be more you know leafy greens uh mint leaves things like that no tomatoes no spicy foods no lots of meat things like that are going to boost up your fire and mm -hmm. then in your as your exercise, maybe you really like competitive sports and stuff, but what your body actually needs is maybe some just yoga or walking outside and things that you probably don't want to do, but that's what your body needs for balance. And if mm -hmm. you're kapha, probably all you want to do is just lie around and, and walk outside. But what you need is to go to that hit class first thing in the morning to get your body moving and maybe to, you know, practice intermittent fasting, you know, eating breakfast is probably going to make you more sluggish throughout the day. So really the suggestion suggestions just depend on what your dosha is right now because our doshas can change you have your prakriti which is what you're born with with and your vikriti which is what you have right now so mm -hmm. with ayurveda it's always addressing the imbalance so find what dosha you're out of balance in and i and i explain the difference between the two in the book but find the dosha you're out of balance with and then do the suggestions that relate so it's more so about working on the the weaknesses than it is about capitalizing on the strengths would you say is it because let's say uh let's use the um the exercise example let's say um a pitta what what sort of exercise do they excel in like boot camps and you know they're they're the people in the yoga class like in a handstand the whole time so in terms of using your strengths i totally see what you mean if a pitta who's naturally inclined to be very competitive and already burn themselves out, mm -hmm. they're doing that all day in their job. And then mm -hmm. afterwards they're going to CrossFit and they're doing it some more. Eventually they're going to burn themselves out and they're going to lead into this anger and this acidity and this stressed out. And that's what happens. I mean, look at everyone on wall street. It's like walking pittas right. going around. And that's what leads to, you know, war and anger and things like that. So still use your strengths, but your strengths are going to be more capitalized when you're balanced in other areas of your life so still mm. like you're if you're naturally goal-oriented ambitious that's an amazing thing but make sure you're not only capitalizing on that you're also able to cultivate groundedness and meditation no, no, and no. stillness yeah interesting yeah so okay so it sounds like by by balancing out um the things that you may be lacking or not spending enough time with you'll you'll be more effective at uh at capitalizing on your strengths would you would you agree with that Yes, for sure. Awesome. Cool. All right. So why, why are we talking all about this in the first place? I mean, of course, health is uh, and, and balance and wellness is, is things that we want to strive for. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about, well, what are the byproducts of, of finding that balance? Um, one thing I know that, that Ayurvedic um, 
teachings say is, is that by finding that balance, we will uh, we put ourselves in a position where where we are able to tr transcend and and find spiritual enlightenment, right? So, what uh, could you speak a little bit to how balance is connected back to to finding that that uh, that place where we can we can again connect to the higher self, um, transcend, and I mean even talk to what does those things even mean like in uh, according to our very deep wisdom what does uh what does transcendence even look like what's that all about mm. so i think the importance of balance is just creating that space for your genius to come through it's like if all of the times in our day we're busy doing something we're never going to be able to get that download which is basically like like a huge insight. We've all experienced that before. Maybe you've heard the term. Someone's like, oh, I got a download about this. It's basically when you have that aha moment, but you need to cultivate moments of stillness in order to get those. So let's say, you know, I'm writing a book and so many times. So every afternoon around sunset, I go for a walk. And so many times I'm like, I'm in the zone. I need to keep writing. Like I'm not going for the walk today. Mm -hmm. And I remind myself it's always in those walks that I think of a better idea for the book that me being in this zone that I've been in the whole day sometimes needs that break of stillness so I can come back and come to it from more of a place of my highest self, not my get this done, you know? So we're always playing that tug and pull between our highest self and then things bring us back down and we have to bring ourselves back up. And that's why meditation, yoga, eating a balanced diet and stuff all comes to be. Awesome. Nice. Yeah. Okay. So let's, let's dive a little bit into the, uh, to the nutrition and, uh, talk a little bit more about that. Um, I know that one of the, one of the biggest things with, uh, with the practice is that, you have to eat for your body, right? You have to eat for, for your dosha. You have to eat for what your body needs. Um, any, any pieces of advice or strategies that you, you recommend for, for someone just trying to get a little bit more in tune with, with the, what their body needs? Mm -hmm. So first know, know your dosha, know what dosha is out of balance. And as we mentioned, talk about the things that your body is lacking in. So if you're experiencing the bloating gas constipation, eating a lot of raw foods and a lot of cold foods are not going to be a good choice for you. Drinking like iced tea, iced coffee, iced smoothies, all of that is going to evoke these qualities of air, which is not what you need. So instead you need that grounding, that warming, maybe curries, soups, root vegetables. If you're super acidic, you have heartburn, you're getting really hot all the time, then maybe having, you know, Thai food and Mexican food and and hot sauce on everything is not going to be a good idea. It's going to make you more hot. Instead, you need more simple foods, more bitter foods, more juicy, dehydrating fruits, um, because that's going to cool down your fire. Literally imagine a fire and you need to cool it back down. And then if you're really earthy, really kapha and you're gaining weight really easily, you have kind of cold, clammy hands, you have a lot of mucus, um, you know, your thyroid might be off whack, then eating something like dairy products, which is already cold and very mucus forming, is going to throw you out of balance. So you need to cut out dairy and cut out anything that's too starchy. Even a lot of root vegetables are not going to be a good choice for you, like mashed potatoes, lots of grains. Instead, you need more like cruciferous vegetables like broccoli and cauliflower and things like that that are going to help break up your fat cells. And in Ayurveda, there are six tastes that it's based off of. And these mm -hmm. tastes are basically how you can tell like the nutritional quality. And they're sweet, sour, salty, bitter, pungent, and astringent. And my next book, it's a cookbook called Eat, Feel, Fresh. It's all about forming your diet based on the six tastes. So sweet is energy building, like grains, root vegetables. Sour, it's 
alkalizing, like lemon, vinegar, etc. Um, salty, it helps build nourishment and, and minerals like pink Himalayan sea salt, sea vegetables, celery. Pungent is heating, um, which a lot of Indian foods have like spices, turmeric, onion, garlic. Um, bitter breaks up fat and it helps detoxify the body like leafy greens, Brussels sprouts, asparagus, and astringent helps your body basically break down and it's a diuretic and it helps get rid of the excess water in your system. So something like asparagus and cranberries and things like that. So you could look at those tastes as your nutrients and see what you need and eat foods that have those tastes. That's awesome. That's so interesting. And of course, uh, I'm sure in your book, you, you elaborate a little bit more on some of the getting in touch with those tastes and all yeah, those different there's a sensations. Chapter. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, no, it's. It, mm -hmm. I definitely feel like that's the the next step that so many people have to make. I mean, even personally for myself, um, I've already made that step of, of, well, making the choice to to eat healthy in the first place, and then being being dedicated and committed to to that decision. But I think uh, where where a lot of people are concerned is with all the all the. Um, upcoming talk on intolerances and things like that there's there's just a lot of concern that maybe these foods that we deem healthy foods aren't necessarily good for my body and to have those specific guidelines that that you're speaking to um to, to point us in the direction and say well this is what you should be looking for this is how you should feel and if you feel this way this is the kind of foods that you should be eating there's just there's i can imagine that that'll be so helpful for people that that are looking to take that next step to make sure that they're they're eating optimally for their body yes for sure i hope so awesome sarah before we get into our last little phase of the interview here was there anything else that we may have not touched on with regards to ayurveda that uh that you feel like it'd be uh is appropriate for for our little introduction here no i mean i think we covered a lot and really the whole point of ayurveda that you mentioned so beautifully is that the whole point of all of this of eating the right foods for your body is so you can be the best version of you and in the book the last part of it is really my favorite and it's like the spiritual side of Ayurveda and it's you know balancing your chakras and your koshas and getting in touch with your intuition so you know it's like if you're the healthiest person on the planet you don't get a, a reward like you know so many of us are so obsessed with being healthy and it's like and then what it's like use that mm -hmm. health as a tool so you can fulfill your purpose on this planet there you go again that's probably the message that that resonated with me most that health is a, a means to an end and um i guess one thing that I'll, I'll throw in there too a belief of mine that i didn't mention is i feel like the reason why we get unhealthy is is because our body is trying to tell us that this not, is not the direction for us so oh yes than, exactly right there's there's it's a message uh in in my opinion right there's uh that's our our soul and our body's way of of pointing us in the right direction if we're doing something and the byproduct of that is is feeling out of balance feeling unhealthy feeling any any sort of negative way then chances are what what you're you're being told there is that maybe it's time that you reconsider what it is that you're doing and maybe uh maybe this is not the right direction for you so I'm, uh, I definitely think, uh, this is a topic that I'm going to, to spend so much more time diving into. Uh, there's, there's so much, even just looking into it, there was so many times where I would be reading something and I'd say, I, I've been learning all this before. I've been researching all this before, but I didn't realize this is, this is where it came from. This is 
where yeah. a lot of this wisdom started and to, to see someone like yourself adapting it and reforming it and shaping it and delivering it in a way that uh, people in the modern day are going to be able to connect with. I think it's so powerful and I think you're doing some really great work with that. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And I even have um, a little chart on my website that people can download. It's called emotional body pain. And just as you mentioned, the parts of your body that hurt and what emotions they're related to, like liver problems are related to stored anger, hip problems or deep emotional pain. So it's even pinpointed down to like the organ or the part of your body you're having trouble in and like a deeper emotional trauma that's literally stored somatically on your body. Awesome. And I will, of course, link that as well. Another resource for the uh, the show notes there. Okay. Yeah. So before uh, before we sign off here, I do have one last little thing I want to run through. You're only the uh, the second person I'm going to be doing this with. So um, welcome to the ascending round. So what I'm going to do here is shoot you off a few uh, quick, pretty short answer response questions. Some of them fun, some of them for a little bits of uh, tidbits of wisdom, and then some of them for for some practical advice for our our listeners. Are you ready for it? Yeah, I love doing stuff like this, so I'm excited. Cool. All right. So the first one is a book that that you think everyone should read at one point in their life, of course, on top of your book. Um, well, Perfect Health by Deepak Chopra is another great book about Ayurveda. It's the first book that I ever read on Ayurveda. It came out in 1991. It's still incredible. Awesome. And just maybe quickly, how does that uh, how does that differ from your book? Um, it's a lot more traditional, and it doesn't go into all facets of Ayurveda. It's more just like based off of like more nutrition and stuff. But it's mm-hmm. a really good introduction. Okay. And if you had to recommend someone pick up one of your one of those books first yours or his which would you uh which would you recommend being the first book um i mean i think my book is a little more adapted to like today's readers like i include things like stevia and things that were like not really didn't exist back then Uh but i think if someone um maybe it's overwhelming for them and they need something a little more simple and narrative then that could be a good thing so yeah they're they're different just different tones Awesome. Yeah. Next question for you is your best purchase under $100. Oh, um, like food, any, anything. <laughs> That's what I spent all my money on. Yeah. Like organic food, whatever you can get. There you go. Yeah. What is one mission or goal that you have for yourself that you're yet to achieve? Um, I want to win a Nobel Peace Prize for helping with sexual exploitation of children in India. Wow, nice. Yeah. Cool. This one I'm excited for because I know you've uh, you've done quite a bit of traveling. So, uh, Sahara, I'm going on vacation soon. Where do you think I should go? Oh, India. Duh. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it just flew right out of your mouth. You didn't even need to think about of it. Of course. I mean, depends on what you want to do. You could go to South India and, you know, be more in the tropics. You can go to North India and explore the traces of yoga and, and meditation. So India in itself is a subcontinent with everything you could ever want. Okay. I'm going to dig a little deeper there. We're in India. What do you want to do? Oh, see... No, nah, I feel like this is going to end up being too long of a conversation. Um, if you're just going to go, I would say I think Rajasthan is my favorite part because Rajasthan is where the last place where the Maharani and Maharaja, the royalty of India, have lived. Uh-huh. So you can stay in the palaces that they were 
living in. And it literally feels like you're living in another time and it's so untouched and it's not like Delhi and Bombay that are so built up in Uh Rajasthan. You really feel like you're in ancient India. Okay. So let's say that I was never going to go to another Indian city and that would be, or this would be the only one that I go to. Would that be the one? Yeah, I love Jaipur. I'm shooting my book in Jodhpur soon. I'm going to be going there. They So Jaipur is the pink city. Everything's pink. Jodhpur is the blue city. Everything's blue. Then uh-huh. there's Odaipur that everything's on a lake. So yeah. each little one has its own characteristic. There you go. And so just, if you want to be in a pink city or a blue city, then you can decide. <laughs> you can pick by that. And just yeah. put it out there. While she, uh, she may look at, she, you are not Indian. Correct? No, my fa- my family is Persian. So um, Persians are Parsi. It's like North Indian. So it's very similar, but at the same time, it's it's different. It's a different dialect, a different kind of food and, and things like that. So the first time that I actually traveled to India, I was 20 years old. Wow. Nice. Mm-hmm. All right. Next question for you is, um, oh, this is the last one here. This is my, uh, my favorite question. Sahara, I'm going to hand you a microphone right now, and this is a special microphone because the words that you say through this microphone is going to be heard by the entire world. What do you say? Okay. Um, you create your reality in your mind. Awesome. I love it. Sahara, yes. thank you so much for your time. Oh, thank uh, you. This, this was a beautiful introduction of the uh, of the ancient wisdom that is Ayurveda. I probably said that incorrectly like half the times that it came out of my mouth. It was perfect. <laughs> okay, awesome. Um, before you go here, where can our listeners find a little bit more about you, your work, uh, if, if they want to look into it? Yeah, so you can, I recommend just taking the quiz to find out your dosha. It's on my website, IamSaharaRose.com, and you can find my blog posts and the free downloads I mentioned there. And I'm the same thing on Instagram, I am Sahara Rose, and you can find my podcast and all of the things to keep connecting. Sahara, thank you again so much for your time. Thank we you. appreciate it. And uh, and again, I'm sure the, uh, the listeners would have taken away so much from for all that you had to share. Oh, I'm so glad. Thank you so much for creating the space for this much-needed conversation, Brian. Thanks. Take care. Bye. So there it is, guys. That's my interview with Sahara Rose, and I think she did a great job of introducing the field of Ayurveda to us, um, helping us understand the, the core beliefs and ideas within the field. But I definitely highly recommend that you go out and grab a copy of her book, The Idiot's Guide to Ayurveda. I've personally purchased the book and I've taken a look at it. And she's gone a lot more in depth with with explaining the strategies, the practices and the guidelines behind living in accordance to your mind, body type or your dosha. Because I think we all can agree that what is best and optimal for one person may not be for for the other and that's what Ayurveda is all about finding out what balance looks like for you so that you can find that balance so that you can provide the world with your, your greatest gifts because when we're in alignment and when we're healthy and well is when we are most capable of realizing our potential and giving our greatest gifts to the world and of course the one other thing that i recommend you guys check out is the mind body type quiz that sahara has available on her website 
That's the quiz to find out what your dosha result is. So I would love to hear from you guys. What was your result and what did you think about it? Does it line up with what you see in yourself? And actually what I'll be doing is starting a conversation around this in the Ascenders Facebook group. So I think it'd be pretty cool if we had a chat around what our different dosha results are and what we thought about them. And we can we can all just kind of compare what we feel about them and maybe give each other a little bit guidance around our uh, our different doshas so um if you guys want to check that out or along with the book sahara has written um the link to the quiz and any other resources that we mentioned in this episode all of that will be found in the show notes which can be found at www.togetherweascend.com forward slash awaken seven Guys, thank you for listening and thank you for all the support you've been showing me in the the release of the the first few episodes of the show. If you haven't already, I would love for your support in the the form of the review in iTunes, which you can write maybe in like two minutes quickly. um, And you can find that at www.togetherweascend.com forward slash iTunes. Again, thanks for listening, guys. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Until the next one, 